0: As many of the papers in this workshop, this paper looks at multidimensional poverty and income poverty, actually income as an indicator of multidimensional poverty, and it focuses on the case of Bhutan. Now, why Bhutan? Well, um, Bhutan has had a remarkable growth performance in the past 30 years. The average annual growth rate has been 5.8 percent. and this made the country go from being in the low income category to being in the lower middle income category. But interestingly, Bhutan has also made uh, great progress in non-economic areas. Um, it's the country's on top of, all of meeting the energy. And <coughs> probably this uh, can be linked to the fact that the country has this goal of promoting gross national happiness by which quality of life, of life is understood in a holistic way which uh, goes beyond GDP per capita but also goes beyond the Western concept of happiness and life such as actually. Actually, looks at four areas, sustainable development, preservation and promotion of culture, conservation of the environment and good governance. And it's also important to remark that the country has truly made the MDGs core national development priority. They have been incorporated into their uh, 5 years' plans that uh, that have been uh, designed to, be to promote development. What about Bhutan in its region uh, with the other South Asian countries? Well, Bhutan has a GDP per capita that is Almost the same as that of Sri Lanka, much lower than the man-lives, but higher than the other uh, countries in the region, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Nepal. It has an HDI that has the median value of the uh, seven countries. Um, it has about ten percent of people living with less than a dollar twenty-five a day, um, which is. Uh, lower than the Maldives, but uh, much, um, and also much lower than, than the other, sorry, I mean higher than Sri Lanka, but much lower than the, the other countries. Um, and it has an MPI that is also quite lower than, uh, than the other countries except for Sri Lanka. Now, we all know that Bhutan is a very small country. Um, it has 700,000 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's actually comparable to its neighbor's uh, Indian state of Sikkim. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, it's also comparable in terms of the API, because the Kim MPI is uh, 0.15, and two times it's, it's 0.11, uh, or 12 actually. Um, so the idea is that what we see here, it's true, it refers to a, a small uh, unit, but we still can learn, and uh, things that have been going on there might be applicable or might say something, for geographic units of similar size. The data sets I have used for this paper are the Bhutan living standard surveys of 2003 and 2007. Both are nationally representative and also by urban and rural areas. Um, But only the 2007 one is representative at the district level. Yet they are not perfectly comparable for two reasons. First, the sampling frame is slightly different. In 2007, the coverage was much better. Uh, that's why it's representative at the district level. And second, um, the consumption model was expanded from 2003 to 2007, so it covers a wider um, list of of items. Oh, sorry. And the uh, monetary variable is consumption expenditure. Uh, they asked. About household expenditures in goods and services purchase, but also they collect information on consumption from own production and received gifts. And there you can see the difference in sample size, which is quite quite significant. Um, as again, as many of the papers, I, I think most of the papers in this workshop, um, I have used uh, one of the. Uh, members of the current foster family of multidimensional dimensional poverty measures, which is the first one, it's M0, because we will have mostly um, ordinal indicators, which is, as you know, incidence times intensity. Okay, so what about the structure of the measure? To select the indicators, I have followed uh, mainly the MDGs, given data constraints, because of the importance of the MDGs for this country. Um, and I have used I've done lots of robustness and sensitivity analysis. Um, one in one way it has one way it has been to use two sets of uh, deprivation cutoffs. The baseline fol- follows mostly MDGs criteria, except for a, a few ad hoc <laughs> um, the cutoffs. And the other one just it's they are higher cutoffs, not necessarily with. Um, wonderful <coughs> normative justifications, but it's for robustness analysis. Um, OK, so we've got consumption expenditure, which is related to, to MDG1. And the baseline does not is not the dollar a day as in the uh, MDGs. It, I used a, bits, a slightly higher poverty line, which is the national food poverty line, and then the more demanding top is the total poverty line, uh, with non-food items. Then we've got, for education, a composite indicator, uh, which looks at whether there is a literate member, at least a literate member in the household. So this is a difference with the NDA, educa- which looks at whether someone has completed five years of education. In that sense, it's less demanding. The mm-hmm. literacy rate is still very high, It's about 4, um, percent. But it's more demanding in the sense that I also require in this uh, indicator that all children, 6 to 12, years are in scope, in the more demanding um, uh, set is 6 to 16. So um, the household needs to satisfy those, those uh, requirements to be non-deprived in age. If a household doesn't have children, then uh, it's only the literacy requirement applies. Then we've got four, um, four variables that can be called as living standards, but are also related to MDG7 of the uh, mm, ensuring environmental sustainability. And they follow MDG criteria: uh, water, sanitation, electricity, and room availability. Um, and then for the MDGs 4, 5, and 6, it's not actually those MDGs, but what I'm trying to say is that these I, I wanted to include health. Uh, I didn't have nutrition. I didn't have mortality. Um, maternal uh, health issues might be too specific to certain households. This question on whether someone has been sick or injured in the past four weeks. And I also had whether these had prevented normal activities or uh, uh, which number of days. So this is at hoc. At I used seven days just because I thought, you know, if you've been prevented for a week, well, that might be an important health issue, um, at, at least for some time. And then in the more requiring uh, set, I used three days, but there's not much more sub- justification so those were seven indicators that i used for estimation both at urban and rural areas but then I also had a set of estimations just for rural areas where i also included two additional indicators that are relevant to rural areas only which are access to roads and land ownership and again the land ownership the, the line is ad hoc is just one acre of any kind of land, uh, but it seems a reasonable amount um, that would allow, allow subsistence agriculture, and just for information, is half of the median value of rural uh, areas' land holdings. Um, correlations, indicators in terms of deprivation are correlated significantly, but never adopt 0.41, which is the highest correlation in 2003 between electricity and some other millions <coughs> of <100 coughs> And then in 2007, they, they were uh, lower, they decreased. And then I used three alternative weighting structures. One of them follows the MPI structure, and I call it equal, well, I call it, uh, it's called um, in, in AFP, equal nested weights approach. So we could grip the indicators I presented, not just by MDGs, but also in terms of, of health, education and living standard. So a third for each, and within the living standard, it was half for consumption expenditure and the other half equally divided among the uh, electricity <coughs> water sanitation and uh, room availability. Then I also used the, um, another set of ways uh, that I derived from the survey on the gross national happiness. People were asked to openly list six or seven things that they would consider important to lead a happy life, an intense life. And interestingly, all of, all but two of the indicators were, that I am including here were listed. The two that were not listed were sanitation and remediality. But I wanted to keep them, <laughs> so I this was a bit ad hoc. For sanitation, I gave the same weight as water there have been lots of improvements in terms of access to improved sanitation. So that might be a reason why it was not listed. But water was listed, and they are obviously connected. So I gave the same weight. And then, um, room availability was not weighted, but housing was weighted. So I gave that, um, that I I used that frequency for that weight, to derive that weight. Uh, But as you can see, income has a relatively higher weight with gross national happiness weight. Um, and then I just use people waiting because actually indicators can be created in many ways uh, in terms of what we would define as a dimension. It could be the mpgs it could be health, uh, education, and living standard, or something else. So uh, just to have uh, another point of reference, I use that. Um, and this is the same, but when I use nine indicators, well, weights slightly changed. And I in the equal it Half is given to consumption and access to roads, and the other half uh, to the four indicators plus land ownership. Okay, so, so that you have a sense of, because lots of measures were estimated here, with I got the measure of seven indicators for urban and rural areas, the measure with nine indicators, which adds roads and land for rural areas only, two sets of cutoffs, and three weighting structures, so in total, we have 12 measures that were estimated for 2003-2007 across a range of values. Okay, there are lots of results. Uh, I have cut down the presentation to stick to the 20 minutes. I will just uh, mention those that I think are more interesting if these slides goes on. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the One is what has happened over time? Has poverty decreased, multidimensional poverty? Well, um, to say to to answer that question unambiguously, some robustness, I bootstrapped the estimates for all the 12 measures, each point in time, and all across the K-values. And I can say that yes, it has gone down. And why? Well, so this is the confidence, this is the point estimate, the confidence interval. Uh, for 2003, this is in particular the measure of seven indicators with equal nested weights, but I've got a graph for all the other alternatives. Um, and as you can see, the 2007 confidence interval, first of all, is quite lower, and it does not, most importantly, does not overlap with the 2003 one. So by each k-value, we need to look at these pairs of, of uh, bars, And we see that they do not overlap. And so we can say that uh, multidimensional poverty as measured by M0 has gone down in the country. And this is robust Um, across number of indicators. This holds for the seven indicators, nine indicators. Across the K values, sorry, let me say that for very high K values, it doesn't, but poverty is virtually zero here. So it really is is irrelevant, I would say, uh, that for 80% that does not hold uh, we've got zero poverty, poverty across the three weighting structures and across the low and high deprivation cutoffs. Now, what about incidence and intensity? What's the, what has driven this um, reduction? Well, it has mainly been driven by a reduction in incidence, in the proportion of people who are poor. And again, we can see this thing of confidence intervals being much lower uh, for each estimated multidimensional head cam and not overlapping, um, And again, this is robust across number of indicators, k-values, weights, and deprivation controls. In terms of intensity, um, what I find is that there has been an NMVS reduction only up to k equal 30%. First of all, reductions are quite small, uh, but you Usually, this tends to happen. Intensity, we don't see that much of uh, that those, we don't see huge reductions usually. But, um, and it's harder to see that the confidence interval, these three groups do not overlap, but they don't overlap. If you draw a line here, the lower bound estimate is still strictly higher than the upper bound estimate of 2007. But that holds only up to K 30%. Um, for higher K mm-hmm. cutoffs, they do overlap, and so first, so one thing, one first uh, thing we can say here is that intensity um, hasn't gone down for those who are most intensively deprived or poor. And interestingly, um, when I, that was with the baseline set of cutoffs, when I use the higher cutoffs, which are more demanding, for example. Water, safe water needs to be within 15 minutes, not 30 minutes. Or sanitation, latrines need to have septic time. And um, roads need to be uh, within, uh, again, 15 minutes, and so on. So we are identifying a bigger group of people considered poor. When I do that, I do find an ambiguous decrease. So that, combined with the previous um, slide, which was for lower... Uh, deprivation cut-off, <coughs> the an enemy was decreased only up to 30%, I interpret that of intensity going down among the least intensively deprived, or not going out down among the most intensively uh, deprived. Um, okay, and then next thing, looking into income versus multidimensional poverty, as Sabina was introducing uh, in the first session. So we are interested in whether... The how, do, whether the income poverty identifies the same group or not as multidimensional poverty, um, and I will talk now about what we call exclusion error and inclusion error, defined as this. Right, well, we all know just to get language clear. Uh, exclusion error is what percentage of the population is multidimensionally poor and would be overlooked if we used an income. An inclusion error would be what percentage of the population is not multidimensionally poor, but it would be counted as poor if we used the income approach. And by definition, we know that those two errors have an inverse relationship, when one increases, the other decreases. But interestingly, when income is included as one of the indicators in the M0 measures, there is a connection with the um, criterion used to identify the poor. So if we use a union criterion to identify the poor, by definition, inclusion error will be zero because if you consider poor anyone who is deprived in anything, obviously the income poor will be considered multidimensionally poor because we are using an, uh, an union criterion. But then exclusion error is likely to be high um, because obviously there might be uh, um sorry, inclusion error is is zero, and exclusion error will be maximum as long as we have people deprived in things that are not income. And that value will, the maximum value, will be exactly equal to the multidimensional poverty rate minus the income poverty rate. At the other extreme, if we use the intersection approach, if we require to be deprived in everything so as to be considered multidimensionally poor, then exclusion error will be zero because there can't be anyone, any person deprived in everything and not in income. Yet exclusion error, um, sorry, inclusion error is likely to be high in as long as income does not perfectly identify the multidimensional poor. it's likely that there will be people poor by income that are not deprived in everything. So we've got this, um, if you want, mechanical relationship between the two. Now, in practice, in practice, how sizable are these errors? Um, so what I find is that um, inclusion error in the time can actually be is actually small. The maximum it can be is uh, actually equal to the income poverty rate. Uh, in this case, I am using low deprivation cutoffs, so it's the subsistence poor, and it can be. Um, 3.6 and 3.8, uh, which is about the subsistence poverty rate. Um, and why? Because actually there is no one which is who is poor by the intersection approach. So all the inclusion error it accounts for uh, the uh, income poverty rate. But exclusion errors are quite high. Uh, this depends on the weights. So with equal nested <coughs> weights, it can be 50%. With the other weights, it can be up to 70%. Um, And this is with high deprivation cutoffs. the inclusion error goes to the poverty rate using the total poverty line. Um, What happens when we match the headcounts? When we match the headcounts, again, uh, it's as if we draw, right, sorry. If we match the headcounts, we are actually matching inclusion and exclusion error. If we want the income-headcount ratio to be equal to the multidimensional, Hacken ratio, then by definition the two errors will be um, equalized. And, uh, and it's interesting, it also depends on the shape of the relationship. I was, if you remember the previous slide, it depends on the weighting. This was Teenage West, it's much smoother, obviously because income has a higher weight, so the transition, sorry, and these were uh, like the K values. Um, so in a sense, these, will tell me at which k-value do the two errors are equalised, and that k-value will be closer or further intersection and unit approach, depending on that shape. Um, so interestingly, for example, I had a perfect match when I used the high deprivation cutoff, which used the total income poverty line. Got we've got 23% of people poor with a k-value of 50%, and the errors are equal to six percent um, and I've got more, but I don't want to go over time. Um, so I think, oh, just a final final remark. Why are inclusion errors small and exclusion errors high? I think it makes sense because the time is a rural country. There's lots of subsistence agriculture. Markets are still in sequence. So income poverty is likely to underestimate poverty. Um, when I use when more demanding cutoffs, income poverty identifies a bigger bread. So exclusion error decreases, but inclusion error increases. So I guess I will end. I will end with with that. I I have more stuff, but um, let's stop.